Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening and participating in the podcast so far. I want to make future episodes based on what you want, so please leave me a comment with any comments on style or content, as well as what topics and individuals you'd like to hear next. The link is bit.ly slash ahkfeedback. It's available in the episode and podcast description. And we're live. Caleb. Yo, yo, what's up? I'm drumming my boy. How you doing? Where we at? We're currently in San Sebastian, Spain. Where is that? Um, north east? Northeast? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. Somewhere up north. How was the spot? Uh, Airbnb is pretty nice. It's quaint. Nice lighting. Good room settings. It's nice white walls. Uh, overall, pretty pretty spacious for four people. So I can't complain. How have you enjoyed your first time in Europe? Oh, this is a good question. Uh, first, time <laughs> <in Europe. laughs> uh, first time in Europe, yeah. Uh, it's been good, honestly. Um, San Sebastian has been great. The food here is amazing. Um, we first went, Arthur and I went to Barcelona first for a few days. That city is amazing. Honestly, everybody there is just like me, but Spanish. Like, What's that mean? Like, they all skateboard. They like drinking pretty chill really slow paced yeah that's definitely my vibe you made a visit to a very special place in barcelona i did yeah <laughs> well what was the place <laughs> so check this out it's a sneaker store okay <laughs> um it's, it's going a, somewhere well not really i mean people probably think i'm super lame but it's like this sneaker store that i like bought a ton of shoes from like back when i'm in like new york and stuff um they have they always have like these like limited drops and they're like this like random european site that nobody really knows about um they're like bigger now but like before like maybe like a year ago people didn't really know about them so it was like pretty easy getting like pretty hype sneakers and they had like two-day shipping which is awesome shout out to dhl best shipping company ever how How'd you even find this thing? So you, you, you've been in the shoe game for a while. <laughs> Clearly you're all over the fucking world, but why, why this place? How'd you even find it? I don't know. I, um, some people knew about it and then they like started posting links to like this website. So, so the, so the sneaker store is called Sivas Descalzo. Um, say that again. Sivas Descalzo. Apparently Descalzo means barefoot in Spanish. I have no idea. I don't know what Sivas means, so if you know what that means. Probably means none or without. It's all about shoes, right? Without barefoot, maybe. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> We're probably wrong, but it's okay. Um, yeah, people just posted a link about it, and then they had like really random drops, like, and uh, of like shoes, like 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 certain shoes would come out like a, a month before. And then they would like randomly drop like a good amount of stock online like a month later or something of like the actual drop. So it's like nobody's like, n nobody knows like if this website's going to drop anything, but then like for some reason they do like a month later, it's like, oh shoot. And it's like, oh man, like super easy. Yeah. Because, because nobody's like really anticipating it right in the beginning, like a year ago, like nobody was like, oh shoot, this site's going to have like a random like shoe store in Barcelona will have like good amount of stock of like hyped up shoes and stuff Wait, so so when you walked in there 
were you walking in with the mindset of like I just cheated these guys out of thousands of dollars? I'm 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 pretty sure they know that like people buy and resell from that store too as well. Like even like those that like are in Barcelona, like buying their stuff. I mean, I think when they hit international markets, like when they had like their website up, like I'm pretty sure they know. Hundred percent. Hey, well, why do you think these stores don't get in the game? Because like they they definitely have a lot more capital and like they have obviously like a lot of knowledgeable people working there. Why can't there just be a sneaker hedge fund? Uh, well, 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 sneaker shops or or like boutique shops aren't technically allowed to like resell, um, like their inventory. So how it works is like. They have like a deal with like Nike, Adidas, Puma, whatever, to sell like X amount of stock and X amount of or X different types of like products. So they buy it for like a wholesale price of some sort. Um, so like cheaper than retail, and they sell it for retail. Um, it's just like a way for Nike, Puma, and all of them to like have more distribution channels to like more local scenes and better for marketing for those companies too as well because then you have like local shops like holding the product and stuff so technically so how how like these companies do it especially like nike they like tier shops right so like tier zero shops are like top tier shops that are like are really well known like the city um, and they'll carry like the most like hyped rarest stuff um so like in new york it'd be like a kith or like an extra butter or something um, but these shops aren't allowed to like resell anything because of their contract with, with these companies and stuff. So everything is always like retail price, but that's why it's like really hard to get. Yeah. What happened to the sneaker hedge fund idea? <laughs> that's been around as long <laughs> as I've known you. This sneaker hedge fund idea would like, it's not, it's, I guess it's like, I mean, maybe it's kind of pessimistic, but it's like not scalable. It's like, um, essentially the amount of shoes I would have to buy to even sustain the potential demand for a certain return and the amount of time it would take is almost impossible. So if you put into perspective, so let's just say like some rich dude like Arthur Chen comes in, right? And he's like, yo, Caleb, I'm trying to drop $3 million. Okay. What can you do with $3 million? And I'd be like, well, $3 million is going to take me like 15, 20 years to freaking process all the way through. And then you have to like wait like another like 10 something years to like get like an X, like 20% return or something, which, which would be crazy, but it'd be really hard and like really time intensive and also like really product intensive too. There's just not enough like sneakers in the world to like really manage that because the, the the resale market for like sneakers is or like for like the whole resale market like with supreme and sneakers and all that stuff is like a little more than like i think 1.2 or 3 billion now or something um but there's a lot of different players in that market so even like owning a certain per, like share like percentage of that um would be pretty difficult right so uh, a lot, a lot of competition, and people aren't in the mindset of like making a hedge fund. But it's still, it, it'd be difficult essentially to to spend a lot of money for limited product because it's hard to get. Yeah. Do you think? I mean, can you focus in like a certain niche of that market and just with your knowledge just dominate that market, make whatever amount of money you need to? I mean, it doesn't need to be like hundreds of millions. You could probably make. 
you know a very small percentage of them be happy with it yeah i mean i think i guess if it, it wouldn't be for like people like ultra rich people it might be for people who like have like a few thousand dollars like sitting around and they want to invest it somehow and maybe they have like a stock portfolio maybe they don't maybe they have like you know 401k maybe they don't maybe they have like some sort of you know mutual fund or whatever of some sort but yeah like if it's like a smaller amount like maybe like a few thousand like at most like maybe 10 or something it's a lot more scalable right um you can have a lot more people in your portfolio and you can like buy and sell a lot of stuff um that would like require me to like then if that was to happen i would have to like hire more people to like help me like buy and sell stuff but it's possible it would just be very intensive and i'm not i haven't like drawn out like exactly if the return will will make well will actually happen um because i feel like i've i've only mostly done it for myself um so i have some sort of benchmark in terms of you know how much i spend and what the return would be too as well but each new client would just like amplify that right so it it really depends but yeah if it's like a smaller amount of money like maybe like a few thousand i could definitely make like a good return for people when you see you know our our friend justin yo justin what path is he on then relative to what you've said Justin is like in his own league. And who is Justin? Justin Wong. Justin Wong is, uh, he's a homie for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But Justin Wong is super knowledgeable about like the resale world. He's been doing it for a long time too. I think he's been doing it since like high school or something. And you've been how long? I've been doing it like more so when I was like in college and then after I graduated. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Justin's been doing it a lot, a lot longer than I have. Um, he used to work at a foot locker. So this guy was like crazy about shoes. Like when he was like in high school, saw those SKUs up close. Yeah. He yeah. knew everything about him. Like he has like some of like the rare shoes you can think about right now. Such as, Oh man, he has, he is like the what the LeBron tens, or I think they might be like the what the LeBron nines. What what is what the? So the what the so Nike used to like do this thing, or they still do this thing where um, each like each like NBA player who has like a Nike shoe essentially gets like a what the dunk or like or like it, it's like a what the collection. So essentially, it's just like a, a lot of really random colors and like silhouettes kind of put together to like one shoe, um, and like essentially. There's like some meaning behind. It. I'm not exactly super sure what's going on, but like, like there's like every single like sketch on that shoe has like a meaning to it. I'm not really sure, but um, essentially, like back then, back then being like I don't know, like six years ago or something, like the what the collection was like super hyped. So like the what the dunks, so like what the Lebrons. Like they look stuff. good. That's my um, question. You can argue that they do or they don't. But let's um, be real. Back then, people like really liked it, but now, like the most recent, like what the collections just it hasn't been doing well. But like the OG stuff, like the what the dunks are crazy. Um, probably one of the most sought after, like Nike SBs. The what the LeBron nines are really crazy. Yeah, those are all going for a lot of money. Um, are Balenciaga is active in that market though? Balenciaga is fucking trash. No, I'm joking. No, it just there's, no, there's, there's, there's no resale value in, in Balenciaga. How come? Because the price point's too high already. 
Well, there's there might be some color. I honestly haven't dealt with too much like. Is it easy issues. to buy them? Like you can just go on a website and just buy it. Yeah, if you really wanted to, there's certain there might be certain colorways that people are like like the more OG like Balenciaga dad shoes that people actually care about. But to be honest, like it's not as much of a. Like people just don't really care about those shoes because I mean, like the the retail tags at least like seven hundred dollars, right? So there's not that much money you can make off of like seven hundred dollars. You know what I mean? Like when you spend that much on a pair of shoes, like people aren't going to spend like the double the price just because it's like a Balenciaga or anything like that, and it's not like extremely rare or anything. So. I mean, when you think about the latest hype shoes from like your big retailers, and then you think about Balenciaga, I mean, you both think of them as expensive, but. One of them has a crazy secondary market, while the other, yeah. the Balenciagas, I yeah, mean, you, you just buy them and they're expensive. Like, yeah. why? Why is it so different? I don't know. I mean, I think like uh, it's it, it's always like a very interesting thing because people who buy like Balenciaga, you know, they're like the demographic is usually like some sort of rich kid. You know, they want to like spend money on something that's like kind of in right now. Balenciaga just so happens to be on trend because they realize like dad shoes are in or whatever or like sock shoes are in so they're going to make that but have like a super high retail tag because it's like Balenciaga so like that fits that market and then like and then like what's dope about like hype shoes it's like it's cheaper um, but because there's such a demand for it like the resale value is going to go up like demand it's all based off like demand supply like who's a, who who is a shoe collaborated with um, what's like the history behind it maybe or something or like what the silhouette is like all that stuff kind of adds into like the resale value but essentially like the reason why the resale value goes up that high is because because there's a demand for that but then also like there's other shoes out there like Balenciaga that's going for like $700 and it's like a cheap shoe that's like maybe like 160 like a Jordan 1 can hit $700 because you know people just want it and then it's like oh yeah but then you know like rich kids are just willing to spend that much money on it you know what I mean so it just happens. So, so we actually came to know Balenciaga very well today. <laughs> Honestly, I wasn't paying attention at all at that time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, well, so we went to the Balenciaga Museum today in Bilbao, Spain. For, like no, it's San Sebastian. Like <laughs> Guitaria, idiot. <laughs> anyway, we're both wrong. We're both idiots. <laughs> it's in Guitaria. Sorry, we're going to Bilbao tomorrow, but. Yo, what did you think that museum was about before you went? Like, before, what did you think was in that building before we went in today? I honestly wish that the that the gift shop was going to have more than what they had, but it's a museum, so at the end of the day... Like, Wiley was looking for, like, size 9.5 in that gift shop and found... Well, there, were like, there were, like, books or something? Books. They had, like, umbrellas. They had, like, one... Balenciaga Museum t-shirt or something. It was very underwhelming. What did you think the exhibits would be? If you, or even like if you had to design a Balenciaga Museum, Honestly, what would I, the exhibits be? I, I, I thought the museum was pretty, was, was what it was going to be. Because most fashion back then in like the six, 50s and 60s was based on women anyways. So you knew Balenciaga, the man, designed... Women's clothing. Yeah. Women's clothing. Yeah, yeah. You knew. Yeah. Okay. Like, all that, like, new stuff with, like, the shoes and, like, the t-shirts and stuff are, like, not done by him at all. It's just, like, his last name just slapped on a logo and, like, 
There you have a two hundred dollars. So basically, he was like a he was like a competitor of like Chanel and Dior in the early twentieth century, mid twentieth century. Yeah, right, for women's I clothing. I don't know if they were like competitors, but they were they they kept making it seem like he was up there. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I mean, know if he was actually in that tier or not. Uh, but, yeah, I'm not really sure. I mean, his money, his museum, I imagine. Yeah. So, but it, I mean, it was really think? cool being able to like kind of see it. Cause like, I didn't know that he was just like residing in San Sebastian doing all this. And like the fact that he did was like pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, no, the museum was really cool. I thought it was like, it was cool seeing like all his work from like the fifties to sixties. So like, yeah, late sixties before he died. And there's not really any parallels between his, his style and, you know, what the stuff that's coming out today with his name on it right no not at all i feel like everything right now is just like he might happen it'd be really interesting to see like if he like came back to life to see what what was going on with like everything that's dropping via balenciaga what do you think he'd do i don't know he probably might he probably would think it's like blasphemy or something i don't know i don't don't think he would like it it's just like it's just like a logo slapped on a t-shirt i don't know you know what i mean like there's i mean there's some maybe he might think some pieces were cool, but a logo on a t- dude. You wore Supreme T-shirt yesterday. Yo, chill, 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 chill. <laughs> <laughs> trying to be like a poet philosopher over here, talking down logos on T-shirts. <laughs> Come on, dude. I mean, Supreme's a different story. They're just like a skate brand based in New York, and then they got big for whatever reason. They got big. I just cannot believe they're owned by one of the preeminent private equity firms in the world. Yeah, dude. Or like what? Like a minor, like a huge minority stake, right? Uh, I think they own like 50% of the company. Apollo, was it? Carlisle. Carlisle. Carlisle Group, yeah. I was just, I, I remember I was just thinking like Carlisle did like a buy side due diligence on Supreme and probably like asked Bain and Company, hey, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you like a mill. Can you run a due diligence on Supreme? Yeah. And you're thinking about Bain being like, yeah, we have so many comps for Supreme and like... <laughs> <laughs> they probably had like young analysts wearing Supreme on the weekends. And she's like, "Oh yeah, I know this shit." It's like who who looks like the most alternate in our like analyst class? Like Robbie, come here. Hey you, <laughs> get on this project. We need you to do due diligence for six months or whatever. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's crazy. What do you think of Supreme? Um, if you get I feel rid like of the that's fact- a very deep subject with you. If you get rid of the fact that I wore a t-shirt of Supreme yesterday, I think it's a fucking This trash is a man who when I left his house one time gave me a Supreme sticker as a token. It's like, <laughs> "Oh, thanks for visiting." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh Supreme's okay. It's just you know, it's it's all hype at the end of the day. Um like the quality of their clothing isn't like super amazing. So why are you wearing it? <sighs> I mean, it was I thought it looked nice. It was teal. I don't have any teal t-shirts. So I was like, I should wear something more than just like black, tan, and white t-shirts. You True. Know? So I was like, all right, teal it is. So I just decided to wear it. It was nice. It was like a pocket tee. I don't know. I don't know why I wore it. It was just like a nice color, I thought. I was like, okay, I'll wear it. What do you think is going to come up in streetwear, fashion-wise? Do you see something in the horizon? Uh, you're very stylish i'm not even stylish at all everybody knows that um uh, in terms like like see. in terms of like silhouettes and stuff like what's gonna be like the next thing in streetwear think about all the hoodlums Ooh. you're selling stuff to man that's all those kids on the corner that's a really good question trying to cop jordans um honestly Yeezys. i 
I feel like what's going to come up in streetwear next um, will probably be like, I don't know. So it's definitely going to be, I, honestly, everything will still probably be pretty similar. So like people are still going to wear Supreme. People are still going to wear like off-white Nikes. People are still going to wear like Yeezys. Um, people are still going to wear like, I don't know, like oversized sweaters or whatever fanny packs and all that stuff i honestly think that though like what the trend will be in like the next like i don't know maybe like five years or something um it's gonna be i think it's gonna be more like simple i don't know if that makes any sense so essentially like instead of like super super flashy all over i think people are gonna go reside in the like simple logos um it can be a sweater or t-shirt or whatever simple logos like kind of minimalistic um but still like very expensive pieces i think is what's gonna happen or like they're just gonna like like buy supreme stuff or like um or like i don't know whatever it is and it's just gonna be like simple logos and whatnot honestly like Whatever Supreme latches on to next will probably be what streetwear is going to be. Because they're, like, they, they introduce, like, fanny packs and, like, utility, like, packs and stuff. Like, and that stuff is in now because, like, Supreme freaking put a logo on it. Or, like, you know, yeah. Essentially, whatever Supreme touches will probably be what I mean, is Supreme just, like, I need to understand. Is it just, like like, like a handful of people who make all these decisions of like where they should brand who they should partner with like how big is this company they have such an influence in yeah no that's a really good question i honestly like i think it's definitely very strategic in terms of how they brand with certain companies um and at times it might seem actually really random because they like brand like they they do stuff with like louis vuitton like really high-end stuff right but it's like their streetwear company with like t-shirts that shouldn't be even $50. You know what I mean? Like they're cheap clothing, but it essentially, whatever gives them that certain image. So the fact that they, for example, did like a collaboration with Louis Vuitton essentially means that they are high end streetwear, right? They look like high end streetwear. Like, are they really like a high end brand? I don't think so. Like their name is worth a lot of money, but like the actual products that they're pushing out is is nothing. There's nothing high end about it. But people are gonna like automatically start assuming that they are related to like a high end company like Louis Vuitton because they're doing like a collaboration with them. So and Louis Vuitton knows that, right? Louis Vuitton's going like, oh, like they're they are willing they're willing to do a collaboration with like with like Supreme on certain pieces, um, and like. They're 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 more than willing to too because they're like oh it's supreme like we should like do like a mini collaboration with them, right? So it's like for both worlds it's almost like a pathway into each other's world. So like Louis Vuitton going a little bit into like streetwear, streetwear going into like higher end clothing and stuff. So like it's just like that marketing, and then like the brand image that people that eat, that each of them get like oh yeah like Louis Vuitton did, did a collaboration supreme or supreme did a collaboration Louis Vuitton and stuff so. It's definitely all very strategic, but um, sometimes it's stupid. Like, there's freaking, like, Supreme Band-Aids. You know what I mean? Like, it's really random. You have them. I do. <laughs> it's okay, though. But when, when you say Supreme is, like, going high-end, 
Like, think about, like, who, what's, like, the typical streetwear buyer? And two, are they interested in the high end? Yeah, of course. There's definitely a lot of people who buy Supreme who are very interested in high end stuff. Like, Supreme's demographic of buyers is very, very vast in terms of the fact that, you know, you have, like, rich international kids buying Supreme stuff. And then you have, like, poor kids who can't even pay rent buying supreme stuff you know like you got everybody buying supreme right because everybody wants to like touch it like it's just like it's just a thing that people want and like the fact that you can get a piece that has collaborated with like a you know with like a with like a like a high-end brand even before they collaborate with the high-end brand everybody wanted supreme but like the fact that they collaborate with the high-end brand means like oh yeah supreme's not like high fashion too as well you know what i mean but it's it's not really like that um but yeah, people are willing to spend that money, for sure. How long are you going to be in the shoe game for then? Oh, I don't know. Do you love it? Uh, it's like time intensive and space intensive, so maybe I. It's I like I, I like shoes, um, but at the same time, I'm like I can't keep doing this because logically speaking, it's I have an X amount of space. I can fit a Y amount of shoes, and if I buy too many, then I can't. I don't know. It's also just like a it's it kind of it's kind of like a hoarding thing almost at the end of the day. Like you just have all these shoes, and you're just like, oh man, like, kind of feel bad. They're just sitting there, not really doing anything. So how many how many pairs do you have in stock, and how <laughs> many do you rock? Oh man, hmm. in stock like total. Uh, I don't actually know off the top of my head how much I have in total. It's definitely over like 120. In 120 pairs of shoes? Yeah. In your room? No, 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 no. They're like spread all over the place. I, I like shipping. What do you mean all over the place? I like one house, right? Like Jersey, like hashtag no sales tax. Um, New York, back oh. home in California. In Jersey, where are the shoes? I ship him to Justin's place. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, what's the division of shoes between your house in California, Justin's house, and your house? Uh, it's probably more my place. And then Justin's and then my house back in California. Do you pay Justin? No. He just has it. <laughs> what? <laughs> just, just like shipping your stuff to his house? Yeah, I mean, I like, I, I, yeah, yeah. It's not the worst thing in the world. So why do you have so many in stock, though? Like, is it just how how long do you have to hold these shoes? Uh, depends so on the make shoe. A profit. It really, it really varies. I mean, you can a lot of shoes you can make like pretty instant profit, but then it's just like if you hold it for a good amount of time, sometimes it goes up. You never know, but like, can you hold a shoe for a year and reasonably expect, like, yeah, some one of these days it's going to turn around? One hundred percent, yeah. Like, how quickly are trends changing? I feel like shoes are coming out all the time, and let's say you get like the fifth version of one shoe in like a year, the ninth version is going to be out, and the fifth yeah, version is irrelevant. Yeah, so, like, I, how does that work? It it really depends on that shoe itself. So, if it's like, 
I don't know if it's like a like a Yeezy or something, right? Like if it's like one of the original colorways and you hold it for a good amount of time, like regardless of how many new colorways come out in that same model or silhouette, people are going to like people like want the original first shoe of that colorway that comes out. So you can have like and because mainly because it, this is just for like Yeezys, right? This isn't just for like any shoe out there. Like for like a Yeezy, like like the Turtle Doves, right? The original 350s, like they're the most valuable 350 because they were like the OG Turtle, like they were the OG like 350 model, right? And then they have like a couple other colorways out um, that still still are doing well because they like essentially stopped the V1 model, but you know they do well, but not as well as like the Turtle Dove because that's like the OG model, and it's like the same with like the 350 V2s, the 700s, or whatever. Like, the OG models always do the best. Like, the closer the OG models, right? So, just because, like, there's new colorways that come out doesn't mean that it's going to saturate the market that much. I mean, for the more recent Yeezys, like, they're not going to worth as be worth as much. But then again, it really depends on how they release it, how much is in supply, and, like, yeah, all that stuff. So, it really varies sometimes. Do you have any grails that you haven't had yet? Uh, any grails what, that are what? That you haven't been able to get your hands on yet? Oh, there's a ton. Yeah. Um, Special place in your heart. Yeah, there's a, there's quite a few shoes that I wish I can get, but uh, I will probably never have. Um, there's like like the Tokyo Fives are definitely something. It's what like are the Tokyo Fives. It, it it's super. It looks really. What's the basic. colorway on the Fives? It, they're 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 just like a. It's like a yellow like jordan five but they're like yellow white like yellow and then like a black midsole and stuff they're super sick um those probably like any of like the oregon ducks like the threes um i don't know there's a ton out there air mags um the what the dunks are definitely really high up there. I started I started getting into shoes because I I got into skateboarding, um, and like Nike SBs when I was in high school was like the hottest shoe ever. Like, the what do you Nike, think about them now? They're, I still think they're super cool. I really like Nike SBs. Um, I really like dunks. Um, I kind of like grew up like buying dunks and stuff, so I was always like super into like. Yeah, Nike SBs. But when I was in high school, I didn't know exactly what the resale market was like or like what that really meant. But I knew people were really into it. Um, I didn't know exactly how into it people were. But yeah, I mean, yeah, Nike SBs definitely got me into the to the sneaker world. So what happened to your dress shoes? My dress shoes? I don't wear any of them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, we were talking the other day, like. I'd- we met at work, but I don't even remember the last time I saw you wearing work clothes. Uh, yeah, I don't. Like, wear I don't think a picture clothes. exists. I looked for a couple of minutes on my phone. And <laughs> I just couldn't find. Yeah, I've been trying to get rid of all those photos of me in a professional work setting. No I'm joking. Um, yeah, I like don't wear dress shoes anymore. It's just like they're uncomfortable. Like, I mean, some of them are comfortable, but like I don't know. It just like doesn't really fit my personality. I'm just more of like a sneaker. I just can't believe you worked at like the most conservative company ever for like what two years. Yeah, and then I like work for the least conservative company ever. I I like walking with like shorts. I can I can I can walk in with like sandals too if I really wanted to. But 
I would never wear sandals. That's another thing. But yeah. the company's headed to Colombia. Yeah, we're going to Medellin, May twentieth. Have you watched Narcos? Yep, first season. That's it. Yeah. How was it? I liked it. It's one of those shows where you obviously have to pay attention to because you don't understand the language. So um, I feel like I, whenever I watch, it, I have to like focus on it or else i'll like miss something if i stop watching for like your spanish has been an interesting story to me my spanish is uh not good at all you have been ordering carne asada <laughs> <laughs> for like the last 20 years living in california dude that's all i order uh yeah pescado tacos tacos de camarón carne asada burrito something like that yeah How's Thrones? Thrones? Game of Thrones. I think you watched your, kind of, watched your first episode yesterday. The third to last episode of the entire series. What are uh, your thoughts? What are your observations? I feel bad. One of the few Thrones non-watchers in our age group. I, I find that really fascinating, the fact that most people my age probably has watched all of Game of Thrones. I don't know. I, I just not, I just never got into it. And then, like, because I never I never got into it, when people got really into it, I was like, is it worth the amount of time and dedication to get into it? And I'm like, no, not at all. I don't know. It's just, like, to me, it's just a show about, like, people fighting for the throne, incest, and, like, death. That's, like, it. I mean, those are big stakes. I, I guess they are. Um, and obviously for a reason people like are really interested in it, but I, yeah, I, I myself just personally never got into it. I'm, I'm just sorry the, this, this last season has just been an atrocity. Like yeah. The writers just making stuff up cause the books haven't caught up yet. Mm. I apologize on their behalf. That's okay. I honestly like, yeah, I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> Um. Yeah, I don't know. I I I watched the first episode of the first season, and that was about it. And ever since then, I like never watched it after that until what the fourth episode of the latest season or something, fifth episode or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Dragon Lady. Yeah. The episode I watch, her dragon dies. I'm so sad that that's really sad. It was. Yeah. Hopefully, people who are listening to this podcast have already watched the episode Yo, by the time this thing comes out with the rate that i'm editing right now <laughs> we'll be having children by the time this thing comes out <laughs> God, that's fair yeah thoughts but, on san sebastian uh great city or i guess town really good food um favorite peen show oh definitely the forgua anchovies from uh oh where, where was it from? Was it from? That was from Atari, right? Was it? A, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. Was it from Bar Sports? No, it couldn't have been from Bar Sports. No, it was Chilepet TXLE. No? What was it? That was a good one. Well, that was one of the first ones, right? It was where. Was that in daytime? Barchapecha. Barchapecha. The one next to Nestor. Thank you, Arthur. Yeah. Yeah. Arnestor. That was pretty legit. That was like a last second one we got too. Yeah, definitely. That one was really good. That that one. 
Um, shoot, they're all kind of like melding with one another. Uh, that one probably stuck out to me the most. Um, when I, when we were in Barcelona though, we had this cod with aioli and like some sort of jam. That one was really good. You guys keep talking about Barcelona. Oh, oh shoot. shoot. Skirt, skirt. Let's go back to San Because <laughs> <laughs> Barcelona, when I went, it was in college uh, for a weekend. And we had 100 Montaditos. Do you know that chain? They used to have a branch next to NYU. I, don't, I didn't like see it. Like the McDonald's of like Bocadillos. Oh. No, I didn't see it. I enjoyed it. it or I didn't pay enough attention. You, well, you should go back to Barcelona. Interest is limited. Mm. I've seen the big one. Well, but, but the sites there are worth it, right? Yeah, did you see the Sagrada Parkwell, Familia when you were there? Yeah, I saw Parkwell, Sagrada Familia. Um, okay. I don't remember what else, what else was there. I mean, I, what do you like better between Barcelona and San Sebastian for anyone planning a Spain trip? Well, it depends on what you want to do. Like, if you're just trying to be a little bit more touristy and have fun, probably Barcelona. Um but you can also do a lot of different stuff there, too, as well. There's just more to see in Barcelona than there's in San Sebastian. If you're trying to eat and just, like, yeah, eat and drink and just, like, relax on the beach, then probably San Sebastian. Even though we were in jackets all, all week so Yeah, far. you should probably this go to like, June or something. But perfect weather for me, but, yeah, yeah. You should, if you want, like, warm beach weather, you should go to, like, in June or something, June or July. Yeah. But, yeah, depends on, it really depends on what you want. <laughs> Have you? So you're going to Portugal tomorrow? Yeah. How different do you think that'll be? Uh, well, they'll probably be speaking Portuguese. How do you say hello in Portuguese? I have no idea, dude. Does Arthur know how to say hello? Wiley? Well, he's asleep, so Arthur probably knows. Arthur shook his head. Yes, I've never seen a clueless face like that before. It's not Ola, but is it Ola? Just smile, guys. Just smile. <laughs> <laughs> Sure, hola. It'll be good. What, what, what do you, so in, in Portugal, what do you guys have planned? Wine tour? Uh, I honestly have no idea. Yeah, wine tour is definitely something I want to do. And I just really want to eat egg tarts. And I guess you said, where should we eat for like fish and stuff? Is there like a specific restaurant that we should go to? I'll give you guys a list. Okay, I'll take a look at it. But honestly, every restaurant there is pretty money. Got to get bacalao. Bacalao, okay. Let's check it out. Yeah. You've been watching a lot of street food videos. I have been watching. Street food videos. What do you think tastes better? The stuff on this trip or the stuff in that video? Can't do me like that. That's hard to say. Um, I mean, all the street food episodes are like different areas of Asia. Um, do you have a preference for food? Mexican all the way, but that's a different story. Anyways, uh, between San Sebastian and all those other, or like Spain and all those other places that are in there, I don't know. It's a, you can't. That's like not. That's not an apples to apples comparison. Well, has there been like an ingredient or dish in Spain that you've had before in the U.S. that is like pretty different here? Um, that is noticeably different now that you're in like the motherland of that dish. I mean, or I've, ingredient. I've had tapas like generally back home in in like New York. I think actually the first time I met you 
like the third time we hung out was at a tapas bar. Do you remember which one it was? We hung I, out. I, I don't remember having tapas with you. We had tapas. I remember this. It was a Spanish place. It was like the Lower East Side. Or maybe it was closer to the west side because I was walking to a friend's house towards the East Village area. But it's in like the lower something side. I don't know which one. What did... What? We went there together. I, 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 this is like a fact. You were wearing a suit. I remember this. What? Who else was there? It was just me and you. Literally. It wasn't me. It was you. What the... Anyways... So after having tapas in New York, I mean, obviously it's going to be better and different here. Like there's so, so much more variety, right? Like the different things that they, that they do with the ingredients here that I have no culinary expertise in explaining in a very eloquent way makes it just so much better here versus like back home. So we had Elcano today. Yeah. Can you explain what the difference maker is there? Why is it a Michelin starred restaurant? What do you um, think? I mean, everything you enjoy it? compiled together makes sense. I think, like, if we're to talk about specific dishes, like the way the way that it accents the flavors and how it brings out different like textures and flavors, I think was like incredible. Like the turbot that we had, getting the skin to be that creamy and then also part of it to be that like crunchy was like really good. It's just, it's just something that you can't There's do. There's so many good restaurants in this town. Why do you think that one has stars and, like, some of these other amazing pincho bars that we went to don't have even, like, Bib Gourmand? I think it... What do you think they value, these I European mean, restaurants? I feel like... I mean, I would have no idea. This is probably like an Arthur question, but I think... Um, now that you've had a lot of good dishes at a lot of good places, one of the places has one or two Michelin stars. Yeah. The other is you have to like Google hard to even find. Yeah. But I think we were very happy with the quality of food at both. So what do you think? Honestly, I think that's maker? like that's the thing about like a Michelin star guide. Like at the end of the day, like the food's gonna be good at a place who doesn't even have a Michelin star, right? Everybody, it's it's to, to the, it's almost like subjective and also political to a certain extent. I feel like I, I think at the end of the day, like just because you have a Michelin star, like for your restaurant, doesn't mean that you're better for, than a place that doesn't at all. But I think it really just depends. I think like the people who are obviously like giving out the stars have like very different, very like the full package criteria, right? Like service, atmosphere, quality of food. Like, what do they specialize in? Like, all that stuff, like, I think add, adds up together to, like, give somebody a mission start. Not just how good the food is. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah. What are the same qualities when you look at a pair of Yeezys on the subway and determine whether it's a fake or not? It's usually very easy to determine if they're fakes or not. I feel like it's just, like, uh, it's, like, shape, color. Yeah, mostly shape and color, because I'm not going to go up to the guy and, like, touch his shoes or something. And see <laughs> but, yeah, it's mostly just shape and color, but if you can get it, like, in hand, you can definitely tell if something's fake or real. Well, what's, like, the the most popularly counterfeited shoe? Probably Yeezys. Yeah. And what is the difference in the fake and the real? Uh, It's very easy to tell. The patterns are generally pretty off. Uh, stitching's off. It's just shape of it's off. Like, the boosts, like, the midsoles are weirdly shaped like you can you can it's just like there's some good fakes out there but for the for the 
for the most part, it's usually pretty noticeable. Like when you look at somebody's shoes and be like, "Yeah, those are fake." So Wiley kept asking because he wanted to buy fakes of like everything, <laughs> and so you deflected. What's wrong with buying fakes? Well, it's it's interesting because fake products, um, like if you think about it, like even real products that are manufactured in China or whatever, there's like some sort of like environmental issues behind that, but also just like work related issues too, in terms of like worker compensation and who is working and like obviously like a probably some form of child labor too, even like making like the real products. Right. But it's generally like a little bit better for the people who are working in factories and whatnot that produce real goods for that company. Um, it's been proven. I'm not exactly sure what the statistics are, um, that, you know, fakes can actually be run by certain like subgroups, um, like, you know, mafias or whatever, or like people who are even like running human trafficking. So indirectly, Kevin, if you buy a fake something from anywhere, you can be supporting human trafficking. Just FYI. How big of an issue is this in the sneakerhead community? Nobody gives a shit. But I think for sneakerheads, it's mostly just like the idea of wearing fakes is just like a vomit turnoff because people are like, I can never wear fakes because I have to be like, hundred percent all the way but they don't really think about like the the actual cost behind buying like a fake pair or something yeah that that just got dark (laughs) it did get dark yeah so i've always played with the idea of like buying fake some of them have good designs but why am i paying so much more if like you said the actual quality of the shirt you mentioned before is like gilding cotton yeah, I mean, sometimes, I mean, I think at the end of the day, like, people should buy whatever they want. Like, if you want to buy something and you know it's fake or you don't know it's fake and you buy it, but you like it, then, like, go for it, right? But, like, I think if you, like, knowingly know that, like, if for some people, like, if you if they know it's fake, then they don't want to buy it. And I completely understand that, too, as well. And then for me, it's like, there's obviously like a, like other reasons too, because like not good for the environment or like you can be supporting something that isn't very great or something like that. Right. Um, but to each their own at the end of the day. So if you really want to buy fakes, go for it. As you look at me with that look, (laughs) (laughs) it's, uh, don't do it, but do it. What are the best marketplaces to buy this stuff? Not fakes, but real stuff um, we're an ethical group here if you want to if you want to buy it like real stuff honestly if you can get it for retail it's the best um so like enter raffles for like your local boutique shop or something or you know try to buy online it's generally pretty hard that's why there's resale value um if you can't get it and you really want it and you have to pay resale for it um StockX or Goat are probably your best options. Probably StockX because there's a lot more price cutting there. Um, and on Goat, it's not as much price cutting, so the prices are generally a little bit more expensive for the buyer. Uh, but StockX is probably like a pretty good spot to. What is StockX and what is Goat? 
Are they different? Are they really different? They're basically the same. They're essentially like a middleman between the buyer and the seller. Um, what they do is when a buyer buys the seller's goods, um, the seller ships it to StockX or Goat, and then they authenticate the product for you, and then they ship it to you as the buyer. So they essentially, their whole motto is like, it's what their business essentially boils down to is guaranteeing you that you'll get authentic shoes because when it comes to like shoes or like supreme stuff like a lot of the times like when you buy through ebay or wherever like it could be fake and like you never know how authentic it's going to be or if it's going to be 100 percent authentic but it kind of gets rid of the feeling of like oh shoot is this going to be authentic or not because then you know if it's coming from goat or stock x that's probably going to be authentic does do the guys at goat have like a license or something why do we trust them honestly i have no idea why we trust them they can be like completely wrong and like there's all these like youtube videos of people like oh yeah StockX sent me like a fake whatever um i think a lot of that was like clickbait though i didn't like never really watched those videos in full um but yeah like you honestly you never really know like maybe it's just like this random dude that they hired that authenticating your shoes but they might get it wrong or something which is which i'm not i wouldn't be surprised if that's if that's the case but i think they're generally pretty good about it though so if i'm interested in getting into the the sneaker game are there any entry level shoes that are legitimately affordable that you would recommend yeah man as having you know pretty widespread likability uh honestly knowing you you like new balance you should just cop more new balance well, me, my feet are like, they're in the shape of a circle. So I'm not the right guy. I mean... I'm talking generally. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, like, if you, like, when you say get into the sneaker game, just, like, buying, like, just, like, what brands to buy if you want to, like, brands or specific shoes. Um... That's a good question. I don't know. I feel like that question always depends on like what people want at the end of the day and like what people's styles are. Because back in the day, it was like every sixth grader had Air Force Ones, Coke Whites. Yeah, Air Force Ones are still like a big thing, especially in New York. I have like a New York shoe. Oh, is it? Yeah, Air Force Ones are a New York shoe. Tim's are like a New York boot. Foam Posits is like a New York shoe. Yeah. Those are all like very New York shoes. What are some different region shoes? Uh, those are probably New York, uh, West Coast. They wear a lot more like trainer shoes, so like Roche Runs, like Flyknit trainers, or like a Van. They also like wearing Vans because it's like the West Coast. Um, Converse, all that stuff like that. I know the Converse is pretty universal, but yeah, that's like more like the West Coast vibe, like low top, like trainer shoes essentially also like af1s were just not around really like they weren't like a common shoe growing people up. wore af1s in like when i was actually in like middle school people definitely were the af1s were definitely hot like that was definitely like a super dope shoe too um it was always like the like the it was like the kids like since somebody since like a cool kid wore it like you wanted it too it was like definitely one of those shoes but i would definitely say it's like more of like a new york shoe or something but um i definitely saw a lot of people wearing air force ones too back on the west coast 
any shoes this year to keep an eye open for? Um, man, that's a hard question. Jordans, I mean, Jordan 1s, they're always coming out with, like, really cool silhouettes. Um, some people would disagree with me because they think it's, like, really played out because they're just, like, re-releasing, like, the three most popular color blockings of a shoe and just making money off of it. But if you want to get into the game, like, Jordan 1s are honestly... I mean, it's such, it's such an iconic shoe, right? It's, like, Jordan's first shoe with Nike. Um it's like a timeless silhouette. People always want it. It's like a very easy shoe to wear. It's a lot of different colorways. Um, and they're just going to keep coming out with more. So, um, yeah, probably Jordan 1. So when you think about like these shoes, Jordan 1s, trainers from back home, I mean, like how do you think you love shoes more or less? when you first started um i think i probably love it the same i've always just loved shoes there's something about it that just makes me like you know like even whether it's like the shoes i wear personally or the shoes that i buy because it's like it was hard to get and then i can get them like there's something about it that just makes me it's like our shoes are like it's like a it's like a it's just like a it's like an art piece almost like to a certain extent, like some shoes can be like art pieces. Like, you know, you're you're buying a, a something that has some sort of historical value or something, and you can kind of view it as something that, uh, you know, when you look back on it, you can be like, oh shoot, I actually bought this, and like, this is how I got it or whatever, and like this is what it means, and I think that's pretty cool, or it just looks looks cool. I don't know, but like, yeah. That's probably how I think about it. Any any souvenirs from the past? Souvenirs relating to the shoe game that you keep locked away? Um, any souvenirs? I don't know. Like for last year's like Air Max Day, um, I like got the shoe. They're like the Sean Weatherspoons, um, the Air Max ninety seven slash ones. Um, the the way I got it was uh, I had to like run to this like midtown comics bookstore um get in line and then i had to pick up a pack of like trading cards so it was like in this like air max package um i still have it because i thought it was super dope because essentially the way to get these shoes is you have to like get this package um You had to get this package that had, like, this card inside that allows you to get, like, to allows you to buy the shoes at Kith. But it was super cool because, um, essentially, you, I had to, like, run and go to, like, this random comic book store to pick up, like, this packet, like, this, like, little, like, trading card package. And then, yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know. Next time you'll be sharing more sneaker stories. <laughs> yeah. I, I can think of a couple where I'm just like, this guy's all about the game. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, Caleb, thank you. Appreciate it. 